Okay. I will. Thank you, Ray. Enjoy to take care. Shalom, everybody. Good evening. It's uh, delightful to have you all gathered together to share some Torah and to enjoy each other's company as people who love the Torah and people who love the source of the Torah, HaKodesh Baruch Hu, the creator of the universe that we started to talk about a little bit last week and how remarkable it is that uh, having the absolute power that he has, the absolute capabilities uh, and choices that he has, that he chose not only to create a universe of marvelous complexity uh, filled uh, with life, what else would you expect from a, a being with infinite capabilities and complexity and also profoundly loving but that he uh, he created a universe and a world at its center our world uh, at, with people as its chief creation or I should say with created beings Habriot as we are called uh very charmingly in the Mishnah Perkei Avot in uh, the sixth chapter in fact we'll maybe we'll mention that later with uh, creatures that have that have to struggle to recognize him to know him to have uh, to appreciate uh, the mo to, to appreciate fully what he wants to have the capability to be uh, so much less than perfect. Uh, that's maybe the remarkable thing, and 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 that's what we talked about actually a good bit, especially during the first half of last week's class, and that I'll review right now without repeating. Um, at the beginning, my plan is, as those of you who were here last week uh, might see is to very briefly review some of the key points that uh, we were making last week and then to continue on uh, because all of these basic principles so far as I understand form a continuum of understanding and learning and understanding is so much a part of uh, our challenge the, uh, of what Hashem wants from us. Uh, his challenge is starting that we recognize Him and appreciate Him as much as we can. Uh, and that means we've got to learn. And maybe that's why learning, uh, if I'm getting the vowels right, those two words repeated, basically the same three-letter verb root repeated, consecutively right in the very middle of the Chumash. Um, uh, I forget the exact chapter in uh, Vayikra. But to search, search, search and inquire. Inquire deeply. Sometimes it's uh, translated. And uh, that's what we'll try to do. Uh, obviously, the Torah is the word of the Holy One, of the Creator, of the uh, of all the worlds, and it's something uh, that we can study uh, um, study without end. So it's always rewarding. It's the well of living waters um, in every sense, including the living waters that Hashem wants us all to come and uh, eat from. It says, interestingly enough, in uh, the uh, Haftarah that is uh, the Haftarah for Parsha Noah, one that must be especially precious to Noahides. Uh, I would think the, the Parsha from last week, uh, whose Haftarah, as well as the Parsha I've been looking at a lot, you know that at the end of that Haftarah, at least for Sephardim, 
is uh, a prophetic passage that is also one of the extremely beautiful passages in the seven Haftorah of Consolation uh, Haftorah Nachamu that we read between uh, after Tisha B'Av uh, until Rosh Hashanah everyone who is thirsty go to the water even those who have no money go buy and eat uh, it translates it in the Mizorah Chumash uh, go buy and eat even without money go buy and eat milk and wine and then it makes uh, the finishes that series of uh, synonyms go to the water this is the milk and wine and what is this milk and wine that of course remind us of Yehuda and of Yaakov's blessing to Yehuda eyes sparkling like wine and teeth white as milk to me and uh, not only to me it's it's clear that this uh, go to the to the wine and the milk is a reference to Yehuda and Yehuda's very famous descendant who is mentioned in the following verses very quickly of this uh, Haftorah for Parsha Noach Yehuda's descendant David HaMelech and uh, HaKodesh Baruch Hu speaks through uh, Navi Yeshaya to tell us that uh, go and turn and eat from the enduring kindnesses uh, of David and uh, we talked last week about uh, we talked last week for one thing about the name of Yehuda uh, this is part of why I wanted to mention those verses from the Haftorah of Parsha Noah the special uh, Parsha uh, for you all, for you all who are Noahides, it's very special for everyone. Actually, we all uh, we all have went through the through the uh, portal of Noah. One could say all of us uh, human beings, all uh, habriot, uh, as we're called. So very special parsha. But I wanted to mention because the reference to Yehuda in the milk and wine. Uh, has to do with Yehuda's name, which has with the qualities embodied by his mother Leah in his name, which is to acknowledge, to be thankful, uh, uh, and to be grateful. Uh, this is this really defines uh, a central part of our relationship to Hashem: to acknowledge and to be grateful and uh, to look ahead to uh, something we talked about a little bit last week and we'll talk about more and more uh, in the next couple of weeks is to acknowledge uh, maybe especially when things do not go exactly the way we want them to and certainly you don't have to look around the world very much not just uh, necessarily your own particular life to see that things sometimes go very badly for lots of uh, good people so uh, that's part of the challenge of the eternal one uh, how can it be that Hashem sees as, it, as the I think it's uh, one of the sons of Korach or whoever is the author of Tehillim 73 is their knowledge in the most high that he sees how the uh, how the wicked are so arrogant and also so tranquil and also and also always pontificating about righteousness and justice when they're so uh, unjust. Um, the point, how does this relate to Yehuda and the, the central principle of acknowledgement uh, and turning to the promises uh, that begin even before Noah with, with Adam uh, Adam Harishon in the name of the the Dalit in the name of Yehuda which is the only that's added to the Tetragrammaton the name Hashem uh, uh, is also the uh, the poor man it's always called uh, the poor man who uh, has a person who is afflicted who has a particular ability and a particular challenge to uh, acknowledge Hashem. Okay, I'm going to back out uh, uh, 
from that the Haftorah to Parsha Noach for a moment um, as important as it is and it comes in some of these other questions that are on the whiteboard right now because I want to do a very quick review of the first three questions that uh, I talked about at length last week. Why did he create all the worlds? Why did he create us? His generosity, his love, his desire for life. Uh, Hashem, the creator, as understood by the Jewish people and given over to all the people, all Habriot in the world, is that he's a Melech Hafez Vachayim, a God who lo- desires and loves life and uh, Ahavas Chesed and Gemilil Chastim who loves loving kindness uh, a term that is uh, given to the world by uh, through the Jewish people about the nature of the Creator also to keep the review brief is Hashem uh, the generous God who delights in a multiplicity of life made a a miraculously numerous and varied order such as he did that is orderly to to arouse our sense of wonder it expresses his generativity his generosity his desire for life but also he made it in such a way to foster in us a spark of wonder a spark that eventually leads to learning uh, to study uh, to the to the Talmud, for example, and what the Talmud stands for for learning uh, and teaching, for learning so that we can uh, teach, hopefully. But a a wondrous or to arouse our sense of wonder, this spark, which is a divine spark uh, in us, the like the wondrous order of His creation, like the wondrousness of the creation itself. And of the and of the Ein Sof, uh, a wonder through which we can eventually search back for, uh, as Avraham uh, Avinu is said uh, in the Midrash to have had asked as he looked around at the miracle of creation, uh, all of this elemi, from who does this come? Obviously, it must have been. Uh, created by some intelligent being it clearly is not random it's uh, extremely uh, orderly it's phenomenal in the complexity of its order and so to Avraham it was almost self-evident even from a very young age different commentators have different ages but from a young age it was clear to him that there was a creator even though he grew up surrounded by idol worshippers including his own father who is said to have been an idol maker not only an idol worshipper and he grew up during the times that even secular historians say this is was called the first Babylonian empire from roughly that they date roughly from 1850 or so BCE to about 1550 BCE. Uh, this, of course, encompasses the years of Avraham Avinu's life. He was born towards the beginning of that period, approximately 1812 or so BCE. So he was surrounded by the idol worshippers of the kingdom of Nidmrod, the mighty hunter, and some of you uh, may know the uh, the discussions about how one of the many tests of Abraham Avinu was that he was uh, ordered to uh, give over his belief and faith in uh, the Creator uh, of all things by Nimrod and thrown into a finer, fiery furnace when he refused. Like it says, uh, the deeds of the Avot are a pattern or a sign for their descendants, their sons the same kind of thing happened in the very same place about 1200 years later to the prophet Daniel, Daniel uh, as you know but 
Daniel was saved as Abraham was saved 1,200 years earlier. That's uh, another point uh, in reviewing uh, number two and three and really a point that I'll probably be talking about every single week during this course. Uh, and even when we go to a subsequent course and talk more from a, uh, a historical or political point of view is how radically central, how fundamentally essentially central to the Jewish understanding of God that the uh, children of Noah and the Bnei Noah also bring into the world the idea, the principle of freedom is that a human being is made not like an angel, a little bit less than an angel and endowed from the breath of Hashem with soul and splendor with the neshama and tiferet uh, uh, keep it short with soul and splendor and a large part of this splendor clearly is the freedom to choose him the way Avraham Avinu did and to turn to him the way Avraham Avinu did and to continue to cleave to him and to proclaim his belief in him even in the face of mortal uh, threat and terror from one of the first uh, one of the first tyrants uh, in the world perhaps the first and most famous uh, the, uh, the aboriginal tyrant in the world Nimrod whose name by the way the Hebrew root which uh, for Nimrod's name Mered means uh, rebellion or uh, we don't have to go into any more synonyms than that look at how Look at how extremely relevant that is to our Parsha. Nimrod, the, the mighty, the big, the great rebel, uh, was a rebel before Hashem. From whom was he rebelling? There were no other empires before him. Uh, there were no other uh, regional states or global world states or empires from before the first Babylonian Empire. It was the very first. Who was he rebelling against? He was also the builder of Babel, the Parsha from last week. Parsha Noach tells, he's, tells us he's a, a rebel against Hashem. He's a rebel against uh, the Creator, the Master and Creator of all the words. Uh, that, that it survives in our English word marauder, one of many, many English and other European words that in an ordinary dictionary you'll never find or they'll never mention the Hebrew root. Uh, you can look it up in your English Hebrew dictionary uh, next time you have an inclination anyway Avraham used his freedom to turn to Hashem to defy the tyrant who is in rebellion against Hashem and who exalts his own will as uh, demonstrated in the Tower of Babel as well as in the threat to Abraham and uh, we also mentioned that uh, the Creator does not just uh, grab people and say, Worship me. I'm the greatest. I am the all powerful. I am the omnipotent. What are you listening to these uh, fools who are conferring about the best way to build their wooden and stone idols? Give me some glue. Give me some nails. As uh, the Haftorahs for these Parshas at the beginning of the year say, uh, he doesn't, doesn't just come out and say, look, I'm the first uh, and I am the all-powerful. He wants to be selected. He wants us to choose to him. His love uh, leads him, and his generosity leads him to desire from us, maybe first and foremost, uh, our love and that we choose him. He chose Abraham because Abraham looked to him. This is what all the discussions of the sages uh, suggest and also what the, uh, the, uh, the written Torah itself beginning at the end of Parsha Noach and of course the Parsha for this week, Lech Lecha, suggests. And the beginning of choosing Hashem as we've discussed above uh, among other ways by talking about the meaning of the name Yehuda who eventually gives the prime promises and the enduring kindness of Hashem through all the world 
is uh, we acknowledge him like Abraham Avinu does the nature of the relationship he wants with, with us is uh, love sincerity genuineness he wants a reciprocal relationship uh, with us and there's a particular kind here's a good spot for reviewing all of the Parshas and all of the learning we've been doing since the beginning of the year uh, a few weeks ago starting with the uh, starting with the Rosh Hashanah services and the happy birthday that uh, the Jewish calendar has embedded with it for all of us all Habriot all us created beings incidentally let me I don't want to go through this whole class and not mention the rest of that um, beautiful verse from chapter 6 of, of Pirkei Avos the uh, chapters or ethics of the fathers as it's often called uh, it says that someone who loves the Torah someone, someone who loves and studies the word of Hashem uh, is a lover of mankind, lover of God, of Hakodesh uh, Hamakom Boruchu, the omnipresent one, and is also a lover of Ohev Habriot. That's that's the uh, exact Ohev Habriot, a lover of all the created ones. I guess would be the literal uh, translation. It's a lover of humankind, as it says in the 1923 uh, translation that I have a, a, a very lovely and charming old uh, copy hardback of the Pirkei vote. so he wants this to be a, a reciprocal relationship based on love rooted in learning of the Torah the Torah is his word by going into the Torah we can get closer and closer to him and recognize his plan his hopes his hopes uh, and his plan for all Habriot, beginning with Adam and Harishon and Chava, uh, Ishto, and his wife, and uh, and then Noah and his family, uh, and so on. You know, before I go on and review item four that you see on the whiteboard, which is such an important question. Uh, so important for us to talk about. Uh, we know its relationship to the to the uniqueness of Avraham Avinu as the beginning of bringing the knowledge of Hashem, the Creator, into the world. Uh, his rejection of the idol worship that surrounded him, the idol worship of the time of uh, uh, the uh, the Tower of Babel and uh, that is so closely related to the worship of, uh, of human power. Let, let me do, just do a very brief kind of uh, overview of the first two Parshas because they reveal, as I'm sure you all know and have studied, they reveal a process of refinement, a process of choice, selection based on recognition of Hashem and turning to Hashem uh, by choice and learning these first principles that we've talked about are really illustrated that is a large part of what's illustrated in the first two parshas of the Torah uh, Parsha Bereshis and Parsha Noah and then is continued in Parsha Lech Lecha the story of Avraham Avinu's, Avinu's uh, saga and journeys and of course of uh, the beginnings of his family that are, that are continued. There are m there's many, many lessons. There's lots and lots of knowledge of all kinds. Knowledge of the boundaries of Gan Eden and uh, the Parsha for this week will show us that the genuine boundaries of the promised land uh, include a large part of the original boundaries of uh, Gan Eden, just one of many things uh, that they, all of the different kinds of lessons that they teach. 
uh, lessons about history and historical periods, about how every millennium uh, replicates its corresponding day in the sequence of the six days of creation. We, of course, are in our day being very late in the sixth uh, day of creation, so to speak. We, <laughs> we living here, as I've often written, and uh, in the Arab Shabbos of history as we've known it, so to speak, the last quarter of the sixth day uh, by the Hebrew calendar, the last quarter of the sixth day, the last of the four divisions, six-hour divisions of the day uh, that begins before the, uh, the Shabbos. That is, we certainly live in the era of Moshiach. Um, so that's, that's certainly a large and important topic that is, uh, that we are, uh, that is alluded to in the six days of creation. And certainly if you look at a wonderful uh, text, which is the uh, Ramban commentaries on the Chumash, which are being published in sequence by Art Scroll Mazora, you'll see he, there's a very extensive discussion of especially of the uh, of all of the days and how each one of the days relates to uh, the millennia of history. Uh, Abraham Avinu, of course, living at the very end of the second millennium, the end which is uh, the end of the era of destruction. It's one of the lessons that were taught by the the first two parshas in the Torah. That astonishingly, the first two thousand years of history, the first third of history as we're going to know it, uh, you would think it would be called the era of creation. I mean, after all, this was, uh, this was all kicked off by uh, the Holy One's creation of all the worlds. What else could you call it but the era of creation when, when HaKodesh Baruch Hu decided to share his uh, infinite generosity, love, and generativity in, in, a, in a vast universe uh, and in all the wonders of our own small, beautiful planet at its very center. Why not, how could you not call this first third of history, the first uh, 2,000 years, the era of creation? Well, our Parshas, the, the main story, so to speak, the main storyline in the Parshas Bereshis and Noah tell us why starting in chapter 3 uh, uh, in Parsha Bereshis. Here we have this beautiful garden with the river that rises up to water the garden and divides into four rivers, one of which is the Euphrates. Rabam says this is so relevant I can't make a, uh, omit making a brief reference. Rambam doesn't have to discuss this one. He just says very briefly, of course, this is the Euphrates that we know in our day. It is within the land and part of the border of Eretz Israel. Period. And then he discusses what and, and exactly where is the Pishon for uh, a couple of pages and brings in many commentators. But we know that the commandment was uh, to refrain from eating of the tree of the knowledge uh, of good and evil. Rambam also marshals a very uh, fascinating colloquium about that, that, that part of this was really uh, a love of reasoning and a love of using our reasoning, which now we have to use for tikkun, for tikkun olam as much as we can, but also recognizing that you know our reasoning and our great ability to learn and have knowledge should not become a trap. It should not become about us. It should certainly not become about controlling and exercising God-like power over other human beings, God forbid. That's what every tyranny does. That's what every tyrant does. Whether it's uh, a petty tyrant in a corner office somewhere, uh, or in a, even a clerk, or uh, an elected officer of some kind, etc., etc., uh, is to, to set themselves up as a little imitation uh, godling. You know, that's when you know that all human learning and capabilities and ability to reason and explain is going bad and is doing the work of the Yetzer Hara, uh, of our ability and even sometimes our tendency to choose evil 
not for good or not good, or more specifically, even to direct our miraculous faculties like uh, Sakil, our, our faculty to reason, uh, not to create, to bless, uh, and to learn about Hashem and do acts of loving kindness, but to magnify ourselves like the builders of Tur Bavel uh, did, and uh, was the uh, the Nachash. Uh, the Nachash's uh, temptation to Chava. So, this is a terrible destruction. Of course, this we're answering now the question: How how is it that the the first uh, we're answering this question? Because I don't think we can really go on with the challenge of the Eternal One before we take up these very broad uh, kind of topics, these topic areas, these categories of understanding, uh, if you will within which all knowledge and study of the Holy One of Israel, the creator of the universe, uh, expresses and reveals himself to us and invites us to come close to him. These, these are the, the basic building blocks uh, of, of history. So that was a terrible destruction uh, that, um, that the, uh, the body was going to become corruptible and die as we're all familiar with and uh, which causes so much grief uh, in our lives at various times something that requires no discussion or elaboration and also Adam and Chava now one of the reasons several of the commentators whom the Rambam uh, assembles in his colloquium explain is that now we would have to till the ground outside of Gan Eden a ground uh, we would have to now till land that was not planted by Hashem. Remember, it says in Parsha Bereshis, Hashem planted a garden uh, in Aden. This is not like any other garden. I mean, a, a human gardener who takes care and plants an herb garden with certain kind of various specific wondrous herbs for taste and medicinal reasons and so on, or an orchardist who plants olives or citrus of various kinds, etc. Uh, they all have a purpose, but Hashem, the garden that Hashem planted, many discussants say, was of fruits who had a quality uh, like the pure, the light of the first, a quality that came from Hashem, just like the immortal soul, the nishmat chayim that we have. That, turns, that is always trying to turn us to Hashem, trying to go back to its origin, just like water flows downhill. Uh, these, the, the garden that Hashem himself planted had fruits that did not produce any kind of physical deterioration. The discussion goes, uh, so because of not hearkening to the word of Hashem, which is the same as not having faith, it's very close, you know. I, one of the uh, you see down there, item number seven under lesson two. Certainly, I had to put that on the board for us to consider in uh, a parshas when we're when we're getting to a discussion uh, that's going to consider Noah and Avraham Avinu, uh, because for Noah and Avraham, uh, especially the issue of obedience and its relationship to faith is very, very close. Very, very much on the surface. It's the same for all of us. Every single one of us. All of us Habriyot have this challenge of obedience and faith also as being a part of a wonder, knowing ourselves, which means knowing Hashem. But Adam and Chava also had this challenge. Um... You know, they had this They had one, one negative commandment. Wow, how nice that sounds. And of course, you know, looked at very simply, you could say it's easy. But the next time somebody comes to you with a charming voice and a lot of chain in their eyes and their words, and they have, I got a deal for you, and they, you know, it's all they've got promises, and they tell you how to do it, and press this button or that button or this is what I want you to put in the memo we know that it's not so easy and by you know 
Adam and Chava, Adam and Chava did not have an entire Torah. They didn't have a whole long history of uh, temptations and mistakes and lessons uh, to learn from. And uh, they're human. They're human. And so uh, they were disobedient. They did not have complete faith. As you know, if you read closely, you don't even need to read a single word of commentary just to read very closely uh, the Chumash. Is that Chava, you know, tried to improve upon Hashem's uh, uh, improve upon Hashem's commandment. You know, that we, should, we shouldn't eat of it, nor should we even touch it. Right away there, you know, any adult who's raised a child knows already you're getting into hot water. You're opening up for troubles. As soon as you start elaborating in the program, as soon as you're going to fix Hashem's words specifically and improve, make it new and improved, we know what that's led through in history. Along comes a person or along comes a group and they're going to take Hashem's word, His commandments, positive and negative, they're going to fix them and improve them. And uh, you know that that there's the little uh, there's the chink in the armor, so to speak. Which, of course, anything that is, that uh, can connect with our yetsar hara, with our fallibility, uh, will connect. There's also faith that if Hashem said, "Don't eat it," don't eat it, and uh, easy for us to say. Anyway. Uh, not not to go on further, but to get back, this is all under the. Why is this the era of destruction? Oh, that's what I've just been talking about. The terrible, terrible loss that we all uh, that we all inherited because of that uh, first mistake, a very fundamental mistake. It was not so much even the eating the fruit per se. It's the diso- the disobedience of Hashem which is also a lack of trust and faith in Hashem and a lack of closeness, total closeness to Hashem. And I'm not saying this to start criticizing Chava or or Adam or anything like that. You know, who who am I or or we? It's just a lesson for us because we do the same kinds of things. Uh, You could almost say that's partly why it's in the book. It's history, but history is also a lesson. All of history is a lesson. So uh, here's a good uh, connection to this thing. When Chava is trying to improve, or anyone is trying to improve upon Hashem's commandments, is what Shmuel Hanavi said to Shaul HaMelech, who was such a humble person, as you know, from, from reading the story of Sh- uh, Shaul HaMelech. Extremely humble humble to a fault, a great warrior, a great lover of Israel, very self-sacrificing, too humble. What a lesson for the Jewish people have to learn over and over and over again. Already we saw, we saw that long before Shaul HaMelech. We saw with Yaakov Avinu uh, coming back to the land after 20 years of bitter experience in Beit Laban, the White House. Oh no, I meant the house of uh, his nasty uncle, Lavan, uh, Rivka's sister, and uh, bowing down seven times before Esav, uh God help us. So, uh, nobody's perfect, but the success of humility can also mean trying to improve upon Hashem's word. In the case of, this is such an important lesson, uh, and it's relevant in so many ways. It's worth mentioning in many different contexts. The answer that Shmuel Hanavi said to, to King Saul, to Shaul HaMelech, is so much like what the pattern that Hashem adopted in his teaching, his gentle, loving teaching of our first parents, uh, of Adam and Chava, whose birthday and all of our birthday, really, we celebrated on Rosh Hashanah. I would invite you and encourage you to, to go to my website, um, israelendtimes.com, and if you go to the, uh, to the October, I think it was October, uh, uh, archive, or anyway, go to the list articles by date and, and title, uh, 
archive, you'll see ha uh, Happy Birthday, A Religion of Mercy, which is all about Rosh Hashanah. Uh, and I think you'll enjoy that very much. But anyway, when Hashem came to Adam and, and, and Chava, He said... Uh, he didn't, he didn't have to ask them any questions. He knew what had happened. Imagine, so to speak, his grief and his sorrow, so to speak, uh, you know, personifying him the way we do. One of the key questions, that's really question four, that's question five. Very big um, fundamental question. So we have to talk about, because Hashem is clearly so loving, and so desiring of life and a relationship with us, we have to use uh, pronouns and, uh, and um, stations in life, uh, father, master, etc., uh, to husband, to talk about him. And we remember those are metaphors. He, was so, he didn't have to ask them any questions. He knew what they'd done. He knew where they were. Uh, you cannot hide from Hashem, right? This is uh, the, the, the book of Yonah and so many other... You can hardly go a few pages without it being mentioned or in a Tehillim. Before you, night and day are the same. David HaMelech says to Hashem, night and, the, night and day, they are one to Hashem. Night becomes as, as like light around you. He knows... He knows everything. Uh, he knows everything when it happens. He knows it before it happens, but he leaves it for us to do. It's as if, you know, he, he did the disk operating system. You can't avoid computer technology, but it's in its own bizarre way. I think it's actually getting us closer and closer somehow to the pattern of Hashem's relationship to the whole universe and to us. He has created the disk operating system, but he lets us uh, write the programs, or at least write the documents, and so the documents can be get very screwy sometimes, uh, and even some of the programs can take us uh, very far away from the way the entire uh, structure is meant to operate. Where are you? Uh, well, we heard you, and so we were we were hiding. We're, so why are you hiding? And we were ashamed because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? And the sages say this is so central to, to Judaism, and I think all B'nai Noach certainly want to know. It's important for them to know and help teach what is true about Judaism is, it, uh, is that Hashem is so merciful. He's so kind. He, he, he's such a good teacher. He gives the student an opportunity to answer the question. He gives the human being a chance to say, Forgive us, our Father. Ki chatanu. Tzalachlonu avinu. Ki fashanu. You know, our King and our Father. We've sinned. We've transgressed. Forgive us and pardon us. The sixth prayer of the Amida. That's what he was doing for Adam and Chava. And eventually all the story came out. Um, anyway, it's the same kind of thing to finish the the, meta, the uh, analogy that Shmuel Hanavi did more, uh, somewhat more brusquely and more briefly because he was dealing with the human situation because he's a human being as great as Shmuel Hanavi is and he's extremely great we see over and over again in Tanakh that Shmuel is listed uh, right up you know, after the level of the Avot and Moshe and Aharon and Shmuel was among those who invoke his name right up there with the, uh, the first five uh, shepherds and great ones of Israel. But Shmuel said, you know, to, to Saul, he didn't come out to him and, and after a whole night of grieving over Shaul HaMelech, because he knew he'd failed. To do what? You all know. To destroy Amalek. Totally, completely wipe them out from under heaven. Just like Hashem said. This is not our item number seven on the whiteboard in front of you. This is obedience. This is also faith. And that's exactly the word that Shmuel used to, to Shaul HaMelech. You know, uh, uh, HaMelech. Um, Hashem had said earlier, 
when we were coming when the Jewish people were coming out of Mitzrayim and they were attacked by Amalek this is it they are the, an eternal decree you shall blot them out from under heaven you shall not forget and you know this is repeated in Chumash uh, Moshe r- reminds the people Shmuel, Hana, uh, Shmuel Hanavi sent King Saul to destroy Amalek and he destroyed them 99% or more only he took some of the cattle the, to make a sacrifice to Hashem uh, isn't that a great tribute and the king for a ransom or maybe even some of the commentators say so Shmuel Hanavi has, himself as the head as we might call him Meshua uh, Milchama, the anointed priest who leads, sends the nation out to war for a Milchamed uh, Mitzvah, uh, an obligatory war, which is certainly the war against Amalek, Ramban and Hilchot Malachim and all the commentators say you know, war against Amalek is, is the paradigm of an obligatory war you have to wipe them out just as Hashem said Saul is explaining well this is why this is why it was to give honor to Hashem your God before you and good no 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 Shmuel Hanavi says you know verbosity is like the sin of idolatry wow and Shaul HaMelech was such a, a righteous person and a humble person verbosity is like the sin of idolatry please forgive me Hashem I probably I talk too much myself and uh and uh, you know what is Hashem like what's more pleasing to him the, the scent of sacrifices it's not the sac- the point of sacrifices is not that Hashem doesn't need the sacrifices you need the sacrifices and what Hashem requires above all is obedience and a humble heart and Shaul HaMelech for all his humility was not humble in the sense of perfectly carrying out Hashem's orders which is uh, Hashem's will Hashem's explicit instructions which is so much the lesson probably of every single Parsha certainly of the first three Parshas we're reading this week and it's certainly central to the challenge of the Eternal One to all Habriot to all his human creatures and certainly to the Jewish people and certainly to the B'nai Noach who understand that the, the special relationship that human beings need to have because there has been an era of destruction and an era of Torah already uh, and we're in the era of Moshiach uh, we'll get on back to that in a moment who understand this is part uh, uh, we have to understand the pattern of history uh, and we're showed it over and over shown it over and over again that the, how the first two millennium deserve to be called the era of destruction because there was a failure of turning to Hashem as opposed to turning to your own logic to setting aside his commandments few and simple singular as they may have been originally and uh, exalting the work of human hands as not for its wonder in itself of course our works are wondrous but not to worship them there's the challenge constantly constantly not to fall in love with them before your love for Hashem which to a large extent is your awareness of Hashem as the central pillar of our life of our lives all of us as I said last week every day that we're alive we have the light of his countenance and we should thank him for the light of his countenance not withdrawing the light of his countenance from us what a what a great blessing that is and this may be especially when you're sad or troubled how what a wonderful help and strength it is to remind ourselves that if we're alive uh, uh, new already this is a great blessing we have the light of his countenance like it says in Tehillim 104 which elaborates the wonders of creation you know when when all uh, how glorious every single kind of living creature is from the Yechida to uh, the Leviathan and the other creatures but when Hashem withdraws his countenance from them they are gathered he gathers their souls back to him and uh, they die as we say but in Parsha Noah we see also what does Hashem say 
how relevant this is to our days. And also I quote these verses, some of these phrases verbatim. What do we have in front of us in the world? Or look at the very center of the world, where Hashem's eyes are the land that the eyes of Hashem, so to speak, are upon this land from the beginning of the year until the year's end, every single day. We know the promised land. And what is the promised land filled with? Hamas. Violence. Secondary meaning. Violent plunder or pillage. Third meaning. Robbery, which is like a violent kind of stealing, hands-on. You know, armed robbery, we call it maybe in English law. Vatimalei ha'aretz chamas. Hamas. It says at the beginning of Parsha Noah, this is why Hashem was go- is going to send a flood on the world. The, the world was filled with Hamas, murder, violence, robbery, and with sexual perversion, sexual profligacy of all kinds, grabbing, everybody grabbing their peace, uh, as they say in, in American, vulgar American slang of the last uh, 40 years or whatever it's been. Uh, especially the powerful helping themselves to other people and get, having all kinds of uh, disturbing offspring about which entire books have been written in which you could teach an entire course the Nephilim, uh, Nephilim and the Anakim which are discussed at great length uh, with the sons of the powerful running rampant the sons of the princes and the judges Noah was chosen because he was righteous in his generations. He was a man of obedience, maybe only of strict obedience, but he was a person of obedience and he was a person uh, of faith. And uh, he was saved. His family is saved. Uh, we see this, this process of selection. We'll talk, I'll talk about this in subsequent weeks. I'll build a whole lesson, maybe lesson four, around that because I want to continue with the review Torah is so rich as we see that we begin to talk even to sketch out the relationship of our, the key principles of our relationship to Hashem the key of the challenge of the eternal one to us as Briot uh, we have to talk at least briefly about history and the sixth millennium their relation to the six days of creation and even in sketching out the, the three periods of uh, two millennia each, the uh, era of destruction, uh, culminating almost exactly with the knocking down of the Tower of Babel at the end of Parsha Noach, which takes us right into the story of Abraham, who was already a man of approximately 48 years old, uh, a man of mature discernment and already understanding. Here it was, he sees where Nimrod's uh, tyranny is going and uh, takes us to the beginning of the third millennium the third and fourth millenniums being the uh, millennia of uh, the period of Torah uh, when Torah was fostered within uh, a family and then eventually a nation and offered from that nation to the entire world with uh, consequences that we can and should study uh, consequences that of course are increasingly obvious in our own day when certainly the promised land uh, God should help us and redeem us very soon is filled with Hamas not only in the general generic sense of the word but in the literal sense of a bunch of Amalekites who have as their plan uh not only to, to spread their violence over the world, but specifically to murder Jews um, and to destroy the promised land and its promise for everyone. What could be more terrible? So, uh, so that is that's with us uh, very much in this day for part of the very much part of the birth pangs of Mashiach, the era of Mashiach. Someone might think, just like you can't use your simple reason to say about the naming of the first two millennia but on a little study you see of course it's a period of destruction requiring a period of rebuilding through Torah the period of Mashiach is not just a long happy sweet glide to uh, the restored 
to the lifting up of the fallen booth of David he's called by the sages among other things Barnothli the fallen one from the famous verse they will lift up the fallen booth of David the house of David and his temple we should, we should see it please in our day how awesome that would be but it's a time of birth pangs as the sages has always said and we, as we see and know only too well look at what's been done to the chosen people during the, uh, the uh, 1767 years of the, uh, the era of uh, Mashiach or the birth pangs of Mashiach we're coming to the end of class uh, why not take a human form I'll review that very briefly and I see items number 5, 6 and 7 we will have to elaborate next week at this time but the key, the key points about not, why not take a human form and make it easy for us you know give us a break we have to use you know pronouns and metaphors to, to try to, to, to under comprehend our relationship to you anyway to prevent us I would say it's to prevent us from believing that Hashem is subject to the laws of nature which he created remember even though we're saying he you know, in a way, you could. Uh, there's a reason why the Tetragrammaton, as the theologians call it, why the holy name Hashem, is is not pronounced except by the Kohen Gadol, and but once a year, in the Kodesh Kadoshim, because it it con- it contains within it a power, an intelligence, a generativity that is infinitely beyond our ability to appreciate. And much less to use. Oh, the people who try to use it, they abuse it. Of course, they start changing the seasons and the times. They change the names of Hashem. Uh, look at what happens. This is a large part of the birth pangs. But, you know, we, in a way we should always say, Hashem, maybe you're just the Ein Sof. Uh, but we use these pronouns. Uh, but we, sh- we mustn't forget that He created nature. He's not subject to His laws. He does not depend upon anyone or anything he's the one the unborn the undying which you know some people have said this is really those phrases uh, that we say haya uh, is, is part could be considered to be encapsulated within uh, the holy name but in any way we should not think of him as having any kind of human form or any kind of uh, physical form whether it's Dagon or Zeus or Horus or any other kind of form but I would say even more important than that from my own experience studying and living among human beings and being a teacher myself by profession and training not just the student of Torah um, is that you know, before long, if you start, if Hashem was to say, "Okay, so give me a human form, if it'll help you come close to me," uh, before long, it'll it'll contribute uh, human beings' tendency to worship the work of their own hands, to worship projections of our own qualities, our own feelings, our own capabilities, our fears, our desires, just like the ancient Greeks. Egyptians and Indians do and will wind us leading us away from Hashem and into egotism and to the loneliness pride cruelty towards others because you know to the extent that you worship you start to think that a projection of your own qualities or feelings can be deified after all doesn't it kind of resemble this image you made of the creator then pretty soon other people especially if they're in a different group from you, but really any other person becomes like, who are they to interfere with my plan for my life? This is, a, this is the cruelty that is the opposite of Hashem's plan uh, for a world of uh, ahavas chesed, chayim ahavas chesed. So uh, I see that it's ten or a minute after uh, I love talking with you and sharing this knowledge. If any of you are going to listen to Arid Sheva tonight, I believe you'll hear me talking with Tovia Singer at some point. 
uh, in the next couple of hours. But in any event, um, I wish you all to have a very sweet, healthy, and uh, happy, strong week. Uh, until the next time we speak, if you have comments or questions, send them to the, bo uh, to the mailbox that uh, Ray set up. And uh, you should all be blessed by HaKodesh Baruch Hu. I'll talk to you next week.